All right, hockey fans, listen up because we've got something special cooked up for playoff season. It's called the Daily Faceoff Playoff Parlay Challenge, and it's going to add some serious spice to your playoff experience. Now, here's the deal every playoff game, you're going to be faced with a handful of questions. It's like your own personal playoff puzzle, and it's free to join. And there are prizes because who doesn't love winning stuff? Daily winners, you're getting hooked up with gift cards. Treat yourself to some nation gear or maybe even your favorite jersey. And for the big dogs, the people who can win an entire round, it's straight, cold, hard cash. We're talking about real dough for your hockey knowledge. So lace up those skates, stretch those thumbs, and get ready to show off your hockey IQ in the daily face-off playoff parlay challenge. Sign up today and play every game day at games.dailyfaceoff.com and prove your puck prowess. Hi, Blue Wire listeners. I'm Greg Olson. I'm excited to partner with Blue Wire to bring you TE1, a podcast where I interview the tight ends who have revolutionized the position. Listen in as I have raw, in-depth conversations with the all-time greats like Shannon Sharp, Tony Gonzalez, Travis Kelsey, and George Kittle. We'll explore how the tight end position has changed over the last 60 years and what it takes to be the very best. Subscribe to TE1 from Blue Wire Studios today so you're ready for the August premiere. This is a Web Canopy Studio production. Welcome, everybody, to the Dropping the Gloves. Apparently, it's fight night. Tim's wearing a tube top, showing off the old guns, Tim. What's the deal? Tube top? I don't know about that. I call it a lax jersey. Uh, but yeah, it's hot, man. I don't know. What, you, what do you want me to say? A tank top? Would that? Would you call it? Well, I'd call it a lax jersey, like I just said. I don't know what a lax jersey means, but you're looking svelte, my friend. Lax like lacrosse, John. Lacrosse jersey. You played the cross? No. Oh, interesting. But you still wear the gear, I guess. I played the cross for a long time. It's a very fun sport. I played field and box. Very, very fun sport. You should try to maybe play it before you wear the gear, I guess. But anyways, Tim, how are you? How are you? How are you doing? I'm good. I'm good. I'm uh, I'm very excited. It's been a, it's been a really fun week. Exciting week to see all the positive feedback we've gotten. All the all the uh, some media attention. I'm seeing some articles being written about this whole podcast series, John. What's that all about? It's kind of funny. I, I didn't think this would really be a big blip on the radar, but this hawk series has much so much must have touched a nerve with some people because yeah, I'm getting interview requests left and right from people all over the place. Like I was on um, Leafs lunch today or whatever it is with Carlo Coliacovo and Michael Landsberg, and then I did a Chicago one. I did an ESPN one. I have other outlets asking me to do interviews and it's always the same thing like how oh, the hawks how how is that going on i'm like i don't know it it seems a little strange but it's you know it's nice people are listening to the podcast and they obviously think this series is uh, pretty good or else they wouldn't ask me for an interview so we did something right tim we did something right i think well it's funny every time i see one of those articles being written about the the show and the series i just i don't even read it i just quickly scan for my name and i don't see it and then i just move on with my day it's just okay i don't need I don't need the attention. But how nice. One reporter did ask to spell your last name. Oh, there we go. 
So it was Scott King from Chicago. So maybe you should search for that article because he did specifically text me and ask how to spell Wurzburger. I haven't. Uh, he, he always tweets it at us. So he hasn't posted it yet. I'm sure I would have seen it, but I'll keep an eye out for it. All right. So there, there is still hope. There is light at the end of the tunnel for you to get fancy and get famous. What are you going to do when you see your name in the paper? Oh, party time? Yeah, I mean, I don't care. It's not a big deal. But yeah, you're I guess so it's kind excited. of cool. You're so excited. You're gonna just text all your friends and your mom. Well, the first one, the first, I think maybe the first article ever written about the show, except for maybe when you launched it, was last year talking about Jumbo. Do you remember when you were talking about his little scuffle with Ryan Reeves in the playoffs last year, and you went on a little uh, tangent about just certain guys being untouchable, and and Jumbo's one of them, and they shouldn't kind of get in his face. And that got a little bit of attention. There's an article about uh, your point there. And I got identified as Tim from Web Canopy Studio. That was my only, ah. like, you know what? I'll take it. I'll take hey, it. It's a start. You have to start somewhere. Wait in five yeah. years. You're going to look back and just laugh because your names are going to be in lights. There's going to be a movie about you. It's going to be we'll so see. great. The humble beginning of Tim from the South, from Southie in Boston, him and Rob Gronkowski growing up together. They did it the hard way, folks. They really did. Yeah. With the, yeah. the prep school. Oh, you took the hard road, Tim. You really I did not did. go to prep school. You didn't? No. Public really? school. I always pegged you as a, uh, a preppy. And Adam Banks, you're an Adam, you're a cake eater. <laughs> yeah. Just are, you full, are you Fulton Reed? No, I wouldn't have been Fulton. I would have been, um, who's that? Uh, what's his name? Not Fulton. The kid who's got uh, sick dangles, the cowboy. I liked him. Yeehaw. <laughs> I like yeah. Tim a lot. Robertson. I, yeah. I, you, what was his name? Robertson. Can you name everybody on that uh, team? I'll tell you why I can name him. In, high, in senior year at college, we were the, the Mighty Ducks for Halloween. So like oh. four or five of us all got one of those jersey tees, and I actually had Robertson. And one of the kids had like flow. He had really nice lettuce hair. So he just slicked that back, wore a suit. We called him coach all night. It was pretty fun. Oh, that, that's a good little costume. Yeah, they're nice. Well, anyways, so we, we figured we would do another episode other than the series because we we didn't touch on two playoff series. And I, and I really wanted to touch on them because, A, they involve Canadian teams, and, B, one's the Toronto Maple Leafs. And how can you not touch on the Leafs? So if, if there's nothing else, Tim, I'd like to get to those. Oh, you know what? Did you see the funny tweet I sent out? Uh, which one? you got to be more specific. Um, Pasternak said, sent out an interesting tweet about Tom Wilson. Yeah. So again, yeah, yeah. So yeah, he said something around the lines of, of, in my opinion, Tom Wilson, the best goal scorer in the league, just out of nowhere. There's no precedent for it. It was just, it blew up the internet. Everyone's like, okay, someone hacked your phone or you being held hostage and blink twice if you're okay type of stuff. Um, And he said, what did you say? Something along the lines of Marshawn's got his name all over this. Yeah. He's, he's behind this for sure. So here's what's happening. Everyone's in the bubble now. Everyone's locked away. They have nothing to do. And when hockey players have nothing to do, mischief ensues. And Marshawn's a little bit of a disturber. We've seen it on the ice. And I guarantee you, he, he grabbed Pasternak's phone. They were probably eating dinner. Or they probably got a game room or whatever. And Pasternak was doing something else. And he grabbed his phone and grabbed, boom. He didn't, he didn't lock it. And off to the races we go. And you can have a lot of fun with a phone that's not locked. It's a very dangerous thing to give to someone who has ill intentions. I'll say that because I've been that person who has ill intentions before. (laughs) And there's so many things you can do to a guy when you get their phone and it's not locked. You can take all kinds of pictures. 
You can change the, the font to China, Chinese. And then once you change your phone to Chinese, good luck trying to find where changing it back to English is. Dude, remember those, um, those old graphing calculators? Did you have one of those like in college? Yeah, 89, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So one of my friends changed another kid's language to Spanish, and then he deleted the application that lets you change languages. So he was just stuck oh in Spanish. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. I would, those are expensive, too. Those are like $100 calculators. So, so yeah, but you, you were playing in the days before Twitter. So what were the pranks you would do before? Like, what other things would you do? So a good one. Well, one of the better ones was we, we stole this guy's phone. And he was a younger guy and we went to his contacts and we changed someone's name. Just say it was me. We changed my name to the GM's name and then we changed. (laughs) And so we just changed the GM's name to my name. And so we let the practice go on after practice. We got on, um, we were just kind of working out afterwards and we were showering up and we sent a text to his phone or I did. And I said, Hey, why don't you come to my office right now? I want to talk. And it's, it comes up from the GM's name and <laughs> young kid. So he's probably panicking, like, and we're watching him and he's just like, he doesn't know what to do. And so he goes up to the GM's office. He's knocks on the door and the GM's like, yeah, what are you, what are you doing here? And he's like, yeah, you wanted to meet with me. He's like, what do you mean? He's like, yeah, you sent me this text. <laughs> and the GM's like, what, what do you saying? So yeah, we were pulling his leg, but yeah, it, it's just stuff like that where you can kind of get, you can, you can keep this going on and keep the, you know, the conversations going. You can, you know, change numbers, this and that, change languages. And it's just all in good fun. It is. It's, it's that good poor stuff. kid, that poor kid. You learned a lesson. You lock your phone. That is like first things first. You put a passcode on your phone. That's just a no brainer. You have yeah. to. You know what I was thinking when I was reading that tweet from Pasenak? And obviously it's a joke and it's a, it's a little poking fun at Tom Wilson. If you were still in the league, you, that, the tweet would have been about you. I know. In my Isn't opinion, Scott's the best goal scorer in the league. And I would have been flattered that they even knew my name. <laughs> I'm like, that's nice of you guys. Pasternak like, knows who I am? I saw a video of Pasternak. It was a year ago. And some reporter was like, what's the scariest moment you've ever had? And he said, <laughs> yeah. one time John Scott lined up next to me and asked me to fight. <laughs> and I almost died. And I was like, oh, that's nice. You know what he said? He said he pretended not to know English so he wouldn't have to talk to you. <laughs> I was like, that's pretty cool because I don't even remember asking him. So it's kind of cool that I have that effect on. Well, I did have that effect on him. It was nice. Did you just ask like small guys just to mess with them and get in their heads? Yeah. The best was Bobby Ryan because he, he would always ask me. Line up with him, Bobby's like, he would always look over. Are you are you ready to go, big guy? Is it, is it your turn? You ready to go? I'm like, Bobby, just don't score on me. Like, stop. He was he was really funny, man. He was was cool he on guy. the the Ducks at the time? He was on the Ducks, and then he would do it. He did it all the time. So I played with him against the Ducks, and then when he was with the Senators, and he would always consistently every game. Scotty, we gonna do it tonight? Come on, Scotty. Come on, we're gonna do it. Stop being a chicken. I'm like, Bobby, leave me alone. Like, stop. I'm we should get him on the show. I know we should. I wonder if his personality's changed for the better. I'll, I'll send him a text and see if he's around. Yeah, shoot him a text. Did you ever message Mike Milbury? No, I'm waiting for you to tell me what to say. You say, hey, Mike, let's bury the hatchet. Let's work this thing out. Let's get on the podcast. What a dream that would be. I actually was thinking about that the other day. I was showering, just kind of trying to work through plans. Imagine if he came on the show and we just went at it, like arguing left and right, like just going at it hardcore. I'll be you know the moderator. I mean? Like, it would be great. It would be so great. Just have a good old-fashioned argument where, like, why did you not like me? And he would just be like, you're this and that. And I'd be like, are you kidding me? <laughs> Unbelievable. But anyways, I would love that. That would be so great. It. I think he would do it, too, because he's 
does he even work for NBC now? I think they gassed him or just kind of phased him out. I don't know. I don't know. Him, him and Ronick. Did you see Ronick suing NBC? I saw that you told me about that, but I haven't seen anyone talking about it online. Well, because it's so ridiculous that he's suing NBC for like discrimination of being a straight male or something like that. Ugh. He's just such a, he's so, I don't even want to go down that road. He's just ridiculous. But anyways, okay, let's move on to the, to the two playoff series, shall we? Let's do it. Okay. A former team of mine, I feel like I say this quite a bit. You played on a lot of teams. I was just such a suitcase. It's sad. So when I get a boat, eventually, we're thinking about buying a boat. And you know how you can name your boat? Yep. My boat's name is going to be Suitcase. <laughs> and I'm going to have the logos of all the teams I played for. How co- that's, that's pretty cool, right? That is cool. You know, because cool. I, I can put all the minor league teams and all the college teams and my junior teams. I played on like 30 teams, I think. Like it's literally a suitcase. Or maybe just pro teams. Because I could do St. John's and Houston and all the seven NHL teams. I think that'd be fun. I think you stick to NHL teams. Otherwise, it's just it's a little much. Seven NHL logos. That's pretty showtime. I got to buy a big boat, though, because I want really big, fat logos so people know I'm, I'm a superstar. I got to <laughs> pump my ego on the water. <laughs> but anyways, okay, so a former team, the Minnesota Wild, are matching up with the Vancouver Canucks. So the Canucks are finally back in the playoffs since 2015, the Sedin era. They're back. They, they finished the season off with a 36-27-6 record. And they were even on the bubble when the season paused. So they're happy that, the, that they expanded the playoffs. So they're in. And they get to meet the Minnesota Wild. So Minnesota kind of had a hiccup during the season. They fired Bruce Boudreau after 57 games, which is strange to fire a coach that late into the season. Usually when you fire a coach, you do it in the first 20, 25 games to kind of change the culture, change the system. If you're firing a coach 60 games in, I feel like you're just throwing in the towel for the season. So they lucked out. They're in the playoffs. They're the 10th seed. They were not in the playoffs before this pandemic hit. So they're in. They got the new coach, Dean Everson. He went 8-4-0. and before the, the stoppage. So he, he obviously changed it up a little bit. He, he was successful. So, Tim, what are the keys you think each team has? To, what are the keys for each team in this series? Uh, okay, so for the Canucks, and, and this is actually, we talked about it before, it's one of the most exciting teams in hockey. It's one of my favorite teams to, to root for from a distance. I think the, the key for them is what are the young kids going to do? It's Pedersen, Besser, and Quinn Hughes. What are they? What are they going to do? Can they show up? Can they handle the playoff playoff pressure? Uh, they don't, there's not a ton of playoff experience on that team. With the Wild, one of the things they do have going for them is is some, a little bit more playoff experience. So it's it's what what are the young kids going to do? And I think if they're flying on all cylinders and they're really, uh, you know, doing what they're capable of doing, especially Pedersen, uh, I think they they take the series uh, relatively easily. Yeah, it's. Uh, I think one of the biggest trades that they made was getting Tyler Toffoli. He I forgot was, about him. Yeah. He had the biggest impact at the deadline of any player acquired from any trade. He had 10 points in 10 games. He slotted right in perfectly with Pedersen and JT Miller, who does have some experience. JT Miller, he, he's been in some playoff runs. I think he was a leading scorer. He had something like 72 points at the point when the season ended. So the, he put up some big time points. So if you can get a monster production from that first line with Toffoli, Pedersen, and Miller, and then you have Besser and um, gosh, what's their captain's name? Horvat. Horvat, like that second line, that's a solid second line to kind of roll out second. I don't think the Wild, when it just comes to forwards, can keep up. They have Kevin Fiala, who is, like you said earlier, he's a stud. 
I like him a lot. Whenever he's on the ice, he just jumps off the ice at you. He's fast. He makes plays. He's exciting to watch. But after that, like they have Eric Stahl, they have Jordan Greenway, they have Parise, they have some names, but I don't think they have the type of like Matt Zuccarello was there. He's done nothing this year. He's got like some 30 some points. Marcus Felino, Koivu is still playing. Like they, they just have a lot of okay forwards. It's Jan Fest, their, dude. It's Jan. It is. It honestly is. And they're a good, solid coach team. Like the, they're not even coach. Those guys have been in Minnesota for a long time where they know how to play the game correctly, but they don't have any dangerous players. When you're game planning against Minnesota, you don't really have to match lines. You really don't, which is kind of strange at this day and age. Usually you have some kind of superstar on your team. The one guy they did have who was dangerous was Jason Zucker, and they traded them to Pittsburgh for uh, Galchenyuk, who who knows where his game's going to be. So anyways, I think with Bo Horvat, Louis Erickson still in Vancouver, he's somewhat dangerous. They have Tanner Pearson, who's, you know, puts up decent points. I think the forward depth, the forward top line, just basic forward overall is a huge advantage to Vancouver. Big time advantage. Don't you think? I do. I do. I think one of the things the Wild does have going for them uh, is their defense. I really like their their defense. I mean, Ryan Suter, what what more can be said about the guy? He's just – he's a Hall of Famer. Um, Whoa, 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 whoa. Let's not go crazy here. He's not a Hall of Famer just because he plays a lot of minutes. That'll be a good Hall or not someday. We should should, – He better pick his game up in the next 10 years because right now it's a resounding no. Ten years. He's like he's like thirty six. Well, then I think he's SOL because there's no chance he's going to make the Hall of Fame. He plays a lot of minutes and he's a solid defenseman. He's not a Hall of Famer. Let's we'll see. Pump, All right, pump the brakes. But yes, I agree. I think the Wild have an unbelievable top four with Spurgeon, Sutter, Brodeen, and Dumba. Arguably, they can compete with any top four in the league. After that, it gets a little thin. They got Pattern who opted out. They got this Carson Saucy and Brad Hunt. Never heard of him, but Bartkowski. Who? Matt Bartkowski. He's solid. He's a solid six, seven guy. Yeah. One question I have about Spurgeon, if there's a, a uh, I think it was a last summer, this poll came out of like most underrated defensemen, and he was by far the number one, as voted by the players. What, and we might have touched on it last year when it came out, but can you just remind us, like, what's his game and why, why do you think he was voted? Why is he so respected among his peers? Well, you nailed it because when you think of Minnesota defensemen, you think of Sutter or Suter, right? Like yeah. you, you don't think of him. Then maybe even after him, they had Marco Scandella, they have Matt Dumba, they have Jonas Brodeen. They have some big names there. And a guy like Jared Spurgeon just kind of gets lost in the shuffle because he he's a shorter player. He doesn't do anything exceptionally well, but he is, he's like a Tyson Berry. And I, and I know I use that guy a lot in um, comparisons, but he is but I think he's better in the defensive zone than Barry is. He's a really, really good offensive player. He's got to be five foot eight, like a buck 30, buck 40. But man, he's got a cannon from the point. He can move the puck. He makes a good first pass. And he doesn't do anything silly with the puck, like trying to go cross ice, backhand, you know, sauce when it's a 2-2 game in overtime or in the third period. Like he doesn't make those type of bad plays that'll cost your team so he's just a really good player and the players around the league know it because he's so hard to play against you can't really get a lick on him on the forecheck he's just slippery and he's just a good player he's really and I don't know how much that is because Sutter gets so much attention and maybe he gets a little bit more room to to do his thing because you know he has he has such a solid safety net back there but he's a good player and he showed on the international stage whenever the wild get beat out he always goes and plays for Canada and he's unbelievable. So, yeah, I think the the Canucks have good defense. They have Tanov. They have Alex Edler. They have Tyler Myers. Like, they have some good D-men. 
But when, when you're going to, you know, do the matchup, I think the Wild take it. And what did I say? Defense wins championships, my man. Now, the Wild don't have a strong center core, but this is where, this is where the series will be won. Goaltending. I know. We sound like a broken record, but it's so true. That was my, that was my point for the Wild. Who's going to start? And who's going to be the best goaltender? The Wild, it's, it's a toss-up. I've been trying to pester Stalock. I'm like, who's going to start, Al? Who's like, let me know. Because Dubnik, he has the history of being a, the goalie. He's been an all-star. He's been an MVP candidate. He was in a Vesna candidate. Like, he's, he's carried the luggage for a long time. But the last two years, he's been hot garbage, and he's done nothing. Well, it's and not Al- just underperforming. He's been, like, really, really bad. Terrible. Like absolutely terrible. This so, this past this season, his his goal against was three point three five. His save percentage was eight ninety. Eight ninety. And he played thirty games. It's not a small sample size. Yeah, remember we did the goals um, above average when you when you try to if if every goal in the league gets a hundred shots, how many they're supposed to save? There's the average. Yeah. And what was it? Hellebuck was twenty two goals above average. Oh my god! Nick is almost ten goals below where he should be. So he's letting in ten goals more than the average goalie which is not ideal for your number one goalie. That's like maybe a third stringer. That's a third stringer stat line. So I hope they use their head and not their heart and they start Al because Al, he's, he's played his way into the number one role this year. He puts up solid, solid lines every single year. He, he played well in San Jose in the playoffs for a few games that one year. So we'll see where it goes. And then here's Vancouver. You, you think they have solid goaltending. Jakob Markstrom, he's okay. He could have been a Vesna finalist this season. Like he's he's a good goalie, but he's not, you know, lighting the world on fire. He had 918 save percentage, 2.75 goals against, like a decent, decent season. But then they got that backup too, that Demko. He's capable, but I think Markstrom's the Vancouver goalie. Who who's gonna start for Minnesota? What's your gut t- gut feeling? My gut is is Staylock, and I'll tell you why. I think it's you know what you're gonna get with him, right? He's solid. He's going to let in two or three goals a game, but he's probably not going to let in the – he's not going to implode the way that you risk with Dubnik. So you just know they're like, okay, we're going to need to score three or four or five goals in order to win this game as opposed to, you know, Dubnik, there's a solid chance he gets pulled in the first period, right? Yeah. I don't think you have to worry about that with Staylock. You know he's not a stud, but you also know he's pretty reliable back there. Yeah, you got to start Al or just maybe throw Dubnik out there and give him a very short leash. Because he can win games if he's on. And maybe let's see how this break, you know, did him. Maybe he got his head straight and he kind of worked out some mechanics. But you, you have to think Al is going to see some time in this series. And he's going to finish the series, I, I would imagine. Because Al's not going to get in there and get pulled. That's just not his game. But he's not going to make – I don't know. Al is a better goalie. If Dubnik is on his game, Dubnik is better than Al. I'll just leave it at that. Al's ceiling is not as high as Dubnik's, but Dubnik has just been playing like trash lately. So anyways, okay, special teams. Vancouver has an unbelievable power play. Fourth in the league. I guess when you have Pedersen and you have shooters like Besser and Horvat who just like can fire the puck, like that's not hard to do. And you give it back to Edler, who's got an absolute cannon at the point. So when he Besser, was- Besser has one of the best releases. I know I've said this before in the show. He has an unbelievable release unbelievable like i've skated with him this summer for a few years you get out of the way when he when he even just gets a little bit of space because he's gonna rip it and it's going high and if i was this kid i would try to lose my helmet any chance i get because this kid's beautiful (laughs) he's so smooth he's so hot 
He's a, <laughs> a good-looking human. Like I take second looks when I see him. I'm like, whoa, Brock. Whoa, nice. Call, call him the word. I want to hear it. I want to hear you say it. What is sex, he? Sex rocket. What is it? Man rocket. Man candy. But anyways, predictions. Tim, we're down to two more predictions. Who do you have? The Minnesota Wild versus the Vancouver Canucks. Vancouver Canucks. Got? Yeah, Canucks easy. Canucks easy. Yeah. In so easy that's in three. Uh, I would say four. Okay. That's okay. Canucks in four. And your reasoning is why? Uh, I just think, I just don't think there's, there's not much going for the wild. I think the goalie is going to be better. Um, I think their, their offense is going to be much better. And I think, I think maybe the, the veteran core and the wild steals one game and maybe whoever's playing that steals a game. But I think overall, there's just too much talent on the other side of the ice. So Vancouver in four. I think uh, those are very good points. I think having the big layoff will be a hindrance to Vancouver. I think they were very hot going into the the pandemic, the stoppage, and this this stoppage might have hindered their play. So I'm going to take Minnesota. They're the veteran team. They have the systems in place. They have Suter. They have Parisi. They have Koivu, guys who can kind of steady the ship. And I, I'm going to take Minnesota in five. That's my pick. Have you ever heard of DealDash.com? It's the best, most honest bidding site where you can win things you'd never expect at a price you'd never believe. They have over 1,000 auctions every day on electronics, appliances, beauty products, home decor, and even cars. Here's how it works. It's like an auction, but every item starts at $0 and only goes up one cent every time you bid. The kicker is that the auction clock restarts after just 10 seconds. That means every time you bid, everyone else has 10 seconds to answer or the item is yours. If you go ahead and buy now, Deal Dash is offering our listeners an extra 100 free bids upon sign up on top of their other discounts. So go to DealDash.com and use the offer code John Scott 20 or deal dash dot FM backslash John Scott 20. That's deal dash dot FM backslash John Scott 20. Sports are coming back, and so are your chances to bet on your favorite teams and events. Major League Baseball is finally kicking off this week, and there's no better place to start wagering than our exclusive partners, Bet Online. Check out all the odds, futures, and props to bet on, all available 24-7. And with Return of Sports, Bet Online sat down with former pro players Eddie George, Harold Reynolds, and seven-time NBA champ Robert Ory. See what they had to say on what'll, what it'll be like playing without fans in a series they're calling Fandemic. So visit betonline.ag for all your odds and up-to-date sports news. Remember to use promo code BLUEWIRE to receive your new welcome bonus. That's promo code BLUEWIRE. BetOnline, your online wagering experts. So I, I have a, I was thinking about this a little bit over the past couple of days um, in preparation for today, and, and I think 
I think this Vancouver group is going to win a cup in the next five or 10 years. Um, and I think this core is going to take them all the way. And I, and I was thinking about just one of the trends we've seen, and we talked about it with the, uh, the Blackhawks guys in the past couple of weeks is how important the, their playoff loss in, in this Western conference finals in 09 wasn't was to their coming back. Right. And I kind of feel like there's a trend, like the Bruins in, in 2010 lost that devastating three, nothing lead uh, that they blew against the flyers. And that's like, all the that's all that it took to to know in order for them to know what it takes to actually win. And then even like Pittsburgh, for example, that Crosby and Malkin Latang group mm-hmm. lost the Stanley Cup in 08 and then won in 09. So you see like you need that heartbreak, you need that excitement, and you you think you're there and you're just too naive and you're kind of just not quite there. And, and some veterans put you in your place. And all the great groups have done it. I'm sure there's a version for the LA Kings, uh mini dynasty as well. So I kind of feel like the Canucks are gonna be are going to make some really exciting playoff runs. And all of a sudden they'll just get like swept in the Western conference finals. And they realize, okay, we're not quite there yet. We put on some flashy moves. We won some games, but then they, they run against a, a blues or, or a, a, you know, one of these other powerhouse teams in the West and realize they're still a piece or two and a year or two away. But I wouldn't be surprised to see them start going on some really exciting runs and get some buzz going around this franchise in the next year or two. Yeah. They're a good team. The sad thing about them is they are paralleling another juggernaut, in the West who is coming up just at the same time, the Colorado avalanche. And I think when you look at both of these teams, Colorado is just too much for them. And I, and I, maybe this changes Vancouver adds some pieces, but man, when you look at that avalanche team and look at how they're set up for the next four or five, six years, they are just, it's, it's tough to pick a team other than them who has a brighter future. It really, it really is. So I agree with you on Vancouver. Like they have a really, they're set up for success, but I just don't know if they'll be able to get by the avalanche. It'll be interesting. It's, it's cool to see two teams that haven't been in the limelight kind of filling those spots that are going to be left by the San Jose's, the LA's, the, the teams like that who aren't Chicago. Chicago's, those teams are going to fall away and these teams are going to kind of carry the torch. So it's very, very neat, but yes, I'm taking Minnesota. You got Vancouver. Let's move on. Not a former team, a team I've had some highlights against and some lowlights. Thank you, Colt Nor. The Toronto Maple Leafs versus the Columbus Blue Jackets. It's an eight versus nine matchup. There's some personalities on either side. John Tortorella is the coach of Columbus. I'm sure he'll have some interesting sound bites throughout the series. But what do you think? Last year's the Blue Jackets went all in last year. They didn't trade anybody. They kept Panarin. They kept Bobrovsky. They added pieces, and it just flamed out. Now they were supposed to be in a rebuild mode, and here we are. Tortorello dragged this team into the playoffs. He's got unbelievable players on the back end, arguably the best one-two in the league. What, what do you think? Before we get into the forwards, before we get into the defensemen, before we get into the goalies, what do you think just Columbus has – over Toronto at this stage in the playoffs. So I, I was thinking about this and I'm like, okay, Toronto's the easy pick here, but if flashback to last year and what Columbus did against Tampa Bay, a team that was just one of the best teams ever uh, in, in terms of total points. And they just, am I remembering correctly? Did they sweep them last year? Yeah. It's crazy. Right. So, and I'm thinking now, like if there's any team in the league that has, it's a better example of like extreme talent, but also very vulnerable that could be knocked out by a lower seed. 
it's got to be Toronto, right? I just feel like they're just they're soft. They're they're almost like the, the butt of a joke in a lot of ways. And I feel like if there's a team that would be susceptible to something like that, it's those guys. So I have a hard time. I'm not. I don't know if I'm ready to make a pick yet. There's too many factors at play because uh, you got to think about all right, Tortorella. What's what's he going to have up his sleeve? How is he going to run his lineups? They're they're not as strong up front, but they got a little bit more depth. They have a great defense and they have a goalie who can steal a show. So there's a lot of factors here. Yeah, it seems like ages ago that we were talking about Toronto not even making the playoffs. Like Babcock was their coach this year. Doesn't that feel like that was years ago where Babcock was the coach <laughs> yeah. and he got fired and he got replaced? And I was talking about this just garbage team where they're not going to make the playoffs. Well, they got in and here we are. So they're playing Columbus. I think when you look at this matchup on paper, at when it comes to the forwards, Toronto is going to beat any team in the league when it comes to forwards. That is not their problem. They have an un, unbelievable core of forwards, and they're only getting four better because they got this young kid, Robertson, right? This OHL stud who they're going to slide into the into the first or second line, and he's, and he's just going to be another William Nylander, I heard. Like he's a teenager. Did you hear about this kid? I've seen the name. I don't know much about him. So he scored 55 goals in 46 OHL games this year. He was named like the prospect of the year. And he's, he's just this, I guess, phenom. Now the, the Leafs get him. This is, a, this is a bonus for Toronto. And this is why I think Toronto will win this series. And I'm, I'm letting the cat out of the bag a little bit earlier than I should. But this layoff, I think, was good for Pittsburgh because they got healthy. It was good for a few teams because they got, you know, bodies back. This layoff was really good for Toronto because I think it gave them a chance to really sit down with Keefe's system and just learn it. Because I feel like they had Babcock's system drilled into their head and Keefe was trying to switch it up on the go and make changes and this and that. I think this gave, A, the coaching staff a chance to sit down and really think about who they're going to slot where and how they're going to play the game. And it gave the players, because you know the coaches are in contact with the players. They're giving them game plans. They're giving them this. They're giving them plays, power plays, penalty kills, this and that. I think this layoff benefited Toronto a lot, where they really got a chance to kind of figure out what kind of team they're going to be. They had three months to just, okay, here's our players, here's our coaches. And I, I guarantee you they were talking the whole time. Matthews and Marner and Hyman and Tavares. And, like, it's it was so good for them. And then, A, that's A. And then B, you get the stud from the OHL who would have been in the playoffs and not been a part of the playoff run at all for Toronto. He slots in your second line. Like, are you kidding me? Like, this is crazy. Like, he, he might even slot in the third line. But it's, it's, just, it's just scary, the, the depth that they have at forward. So, anyways, let's, let's, let's talk about the forward. Columbus, they lost Panarin last year. He walked for absolutely nothing. Luckily, they had Pierre-Luc Dubois. He's a stud centerman. The guy puts up massive points. His wingers are Alexander Tessier and Oliver Bjorkstrand, two young players. You know, they're, they're good players, but they're not the William Nylander, Austin Matthews, Zach Hyman, those guys. So just right there, Toronto has a massive, massive, massive advantage. Would, would, you, would you not say so, Tim? Oh, absolutely. And one of the players, you just mentioned him quickly, but yeah, you think about their, their top two lines in terms of talent for Toronto. you got Tavares, Matthew, Nylander, Marner. One player I think is going to be super important to their playoff run is Zach Hyman. Yeah. I mean, man, is that guy effective in the playoffs. And as a Bruins fan, we played in the last, whatever, three, four years in a row. 
he's really good. He's really in your face. He's going to put up points, and he's really he's so frustrating to play against. He's frustrating to root against, and he's, and he's, he's in everyone's face. I mean, he's exactly the kind of player you want on your team to take some pressure off the big, the, the big stars, and he's also going to put up uh, a few points in a playoff series. So, yeah, he's he, super effective. He gets I wish, on the poor check, yeah. He's a guy that you, you want on your team, and you hate, you know, you hate to, to see him out there, but you'd love him if he was on your team. I know there was an interesting stat when it comes to forwards. So the first line of Columbus, they put up 45 goals this year. Austin Matthews had 47 himself. So there's, there's just a glaring difference between these two forward corps. So Toronto definitely, definitely, definitely has the advantage. So anyways, moving on defense, this is where, uh, and I know I just said defense wins championships. So this is where my pick becomes super, 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 I'm nervous about it because Toronto does not have defense at all. Like they, they really don't. And when you stare across and you talk about matchups, you better believe John Tortorella is going to be matching up and he can throw Seth Jones and Zach Orinsky for 30 minutes a game. Those guys are unbelievable defensemen. They do everything. They block shots. They make a good first pass. They get up in the play. They're physical. Like they are just lights out defensemen. And you put on top of that, the Blue Jackets have a very, very good defensive system. We're talking about Keith being in touch with his players. You better believe Tortorella has been game planning for the Leafs for the last three months. Like this guy, for as bombastic and brash and loud as he is, he's a very, very, very smart coach. He will be a Hall of Fame coach. Like he, he just is, he's that good. It would not surprise me if Columbus shuts down Toronto and they win three straight. That would not surprise me one single bit. And I'm being completely honest. Like that's, that's the type of coaching talent that he has. So when it comes to defense and coaching, Toronto, I think lights out has the advantage. Don't you think? Well, the, Toronto has, oh, excuse me, Columbus has the advantage, but Toronto has Tyson Berry. <laughs> they do have Tyson Berry. Yeah. I mean, Seth Jones, I remember watching the playoffs run last year, how talented he was. I mean, he was just not a player that's gotten a ton of recognition yet, except for people who really know hockey. He's not a household name or anything, but man, is he talented. He's going to be a, he's going to be a Norris trophy winner at some point. He's going to be yeah. a, a nominee for, for years. Um, and I really like Zach Wierenski. I remember I've liked him since his rookie year. I remember I had him in fantasy. I've always kind of followed him. One player I really like, uh, especially in the playoffs, and especially, I mean, this guy, Torch must drool over this guy, is David Savard. That yeah. guy, he eats shots to the face like it's oh, nothing. There's he, not, I mean, he, he, must, he must block 10 shots a game. It's insane. And in the playoffs, and especially against a high-powered offense like that, he's going to have some big, big minutes to log. And if he can do his job, he's going to be trouble for uh, the, the Matthews and Nylanders of the world. How much will home ice advantage play a factor in this? Do you think there's any home ice when it comes to Toronto? Um, well, the Toronto's staying in the same hotel as everybody else, right? So yeah, but just they're familiar with the rink, the ice. You know what I mean? Is there any advantage in that they they're in Toronto? Maybe a little. I mean, you tell me. What do you think? You've you've been there. Yeah, I, I think just being in your own barn, you have some familiarity. I wonder if they'll switch benches. You know what I mean? When when you're the home team, if they get to dress in Toronto's locker room, I don't know if that's been set, but. That'll be interesting because I know the Blue Jays, when they played in Philadelphia, they were the home team. They, I, I don't think they went in Philadelphia's locker room. But anyways, it'll be interesting to see uh, how that works out because you would think they would have a little bit of an advantage, just, you know, creature comforts. But yeah, they're in the hotel. I don't know. I, I don't think it, it is that much of an edge. What I did hear was the ice is not good. I heard the ice is slow. It's slushy. 
And that is a big kind of downfall for Toronto. They want to run and gun. They want clean ice to kind of make crisp passes and this and that. If it's bad ice, that definitely benefits Columbus because the Torts, Torts will use that to his advantage. He'll clog up the neutral zone. He'll make it hard for those players to get through the center ice with any clean at all. So if, if it's a slower game, that's an advantage for Columbus also. Like you have to take these things into account. And the ice is not going to be where it should be, especially if they're playing two, three games a day on it. And you just can't have good ice day after day after day after day where it takes that kind of beating. But anyways, go ahead. I mean, just, the slower the game, the better for, for Columbus and the better for Torch. I mean, Torch is trying to win game 0-0, zero, zero, right? Like if there's no goals and he can just – that's what he wants. Uh, that's so impossible, I think, Tim. You can't do that. Is that right? You have to score one. Is that true? I think so. I'll have to do some research on that. I don't know if the rules have changed, but I think you got to get one in there. But yeah, you you nailed it. He his perfect game is a one nothing game with 170 block shots. <laughs> yeah, that's his perfect game. So moving on to the goaltending, and this is another huge advantage for Columbus. Frederick Anderson was supposed to be the savior of this team. He's a very good goalie. He's very good, but he's had an up and down season. We know he, what he's capable of. He, he could carry this team for long stretches. He carried him through a whole season. But for some reason this year, they he was shaky. So shaky they had to go out and get a backup, Jack Campbell, to just kind of have an insurance policy for him. So that'll be a big question mark. What Frederick Anderson shows up in the playoffs? I, I don't know. I haven't heard any early reports, but it wasn't good during the season. Well, he wasn't terrible. I mean, he's not like – he's not Dubnik bad. Um, 909 save percentage, 285 goals against. Like, I mean, yeah, it's not elite numbers, but he's not terrible. And I'm going to disagree with you there. I, I still think it's it's advantage Toronto when it comes to goaltending. I think no, Elvis- no, 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 no way. Yes. Okay, tell me how. Okay, so this Elvis is Mer- Merlingus, Merzingus. What's his name? Yeah. Mer Merzlikens. Mer- There's no way I'm saying that right. Um, Merzlikens and Merzlik- Jonas Corposalo. Yeah, I mean they're good, and I think I think uh, if they play what they can do, they could surprise some people. But I still think the proven entity is Frederick Anderson. I think until we see otherwise, you have to go with him being the advantage over these young kids. I uh, I disagree that they were they had the fourth best goals against in the league these two, so they they're nothing to sniff at. Like Merzlikens. He's shine on the international stage. He's played for Latvia. He's had lights out games versus Team Canada. I've watched him. Like, he is a good, good goalie. And they wouldn't have let Bobrovsky go if they didn't have confidence in these two kids. And what better scenario? We talk about teams that they don't even have a number one. They got uh, this and that. This team has a one and a 1A. The only other team that you could say that for is Vegas with Fleury and Lehner. Like, I think any goal you throw out in Columbus, you're going to have an exceptionally exceptionally good chance to win that game based on that goaltender. He's not going to lose you the game. In fact, he might win you the game. Freddie Anderson, I, I have no confidence in him at this point. I really don't. He's had such – and I know you you say those numbers. He's had such – and I hate to throw daggers at him because he just gets like – he doesn't get the easy shots because Toronto's defense is so horrible. He's getting a lot of grade-A chances, much like Hellebeck is in um, Winnipeg. The same thing goes for Anderson in Toronto because they just don't have a good defensive structure in front of them. It's honestly like just get the puck out of the zone as quick as possible. If not, we're, we're going to be in our zone for two and a half minutes, just giving up one tease back door. So I don't know. I might be convincing myself not to pick Toronto anymore. I think this is happening. Okay. 
let's 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 move on. Let's let's just do our predictions. Special teams, Toronto, obviously, they're shocker. They have a great power play, and their penalty kill was terrible. Shocker, Columbus is a bad power play, but their penalty kill is really good. Like that's obvious. Torch is always going to have a good penalty kill. His power play, they don't have the horses for a good power play. Okay. Anything else you want to add in this series before we do the pick? No. Nope. I think we covered it. All right. Who – your pick is going to affect my pick, so I think I should go first. <laughs> yeah, you just – you resent me so much. Well, I just always want to have, like, some kind of conflict or we go head-to-head. I have talked myself out of Toronto. I'm going to take Columbus now in five. I really, I really think – the defense and goaltending is too much. I, I just think Torts will just clog up those forwards and make it so hard for them. That That's my prediction. But I, th- again, this is another one of those series where I would be completely confident going with Toronto as well. Like it could go either way. It's it's that close. It's one of the hardest ones to predict. I, I am going to pick Toronto. I just think at some point the guys are going to be like, you know what, enough is enough. And I think guys like Matthew and Marners and Tavares are just going to carry – they're going to will their team through a round or two. You think um, so? and I think it's, it's also an opportunity. Hey, they're not lining up against Boston next round if they win. So there's a chance they wouldn't play them to the Eastern conference finals. Assuming they both made it there. That's a huge opportunity for these guys that they've not had. So there's got to be some piece. And even though you treat all teams equally, all opponents equally, there's got to be some sense. I mean, they're only human. They know that Boston's not this dog barking in the, in the yard next door. They're going to have a chance to really make a run and hope someone else knocks those guys out. So I think they, they take advantage of that. And I, I'm, I got to think just, it's going to be good for hockey if those guys are, are cranking on all cylinders. So I think if they, if they go on a run, this is going to be the year. Enough's enough for these guys, I think. We'll see. I, I, I hope you're right. It'd be fun to see Toronto make the second round. They would play Tampa Bay, right? If I'm I think not, so. They yeah. would play Tampa. What a series that would be. That would be so cool. But, okay, let's run down. Pittsburgh, Montreal. We both had Pittsburgh. Carolina, New York. You had New York. I had Carolina, I think. Sounds right. I can't remember. But anyways, yeah. We, we ran down all the teams. We ran down all the series. It's going to be interesting. It's going to be very interesting. This, this starts next week, Monday, right? It starts Saturday. Saturday. Oh, my goodness. Well, let's, yeah. let's, we got to get off the air. I got to get prepped. I got to get some beers in the cooler, some nachos in the fridge, get some cheese. When you make nachos, Tim, here's a little question. What do you put on a good plate of nachos if you're doing homemade nachos? Depends. It, based on what I have in the room or if I no, go no, 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 to the no. store? You have – any you have anything is open anything yeah, yeah. okay these nachos uh well okay here's the the trick is you got to buy good chips it's so underrated Correct. right okay. yes i don't want to see the, the tostitos rounds in your nachos like come on okay. uh so really good chips and then cheese uh probably some onions what kind of cheese though just the the bag of the four cheese mexican shredded cheese Okay. Standard, yeah, regular cheese. Okay. Uh, you look at me like I'm crazy for asking what type of cheese. It's a very big factor when it comes to nachos. I don't think everyone's ever asked me that question before, though. Um, probably some kind of meat, so shredded chicken maybe, uh, okay. or, or pork. I, I learned how to make shredded pork. Game changer. It's delicious. It's slow cooker? Yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. It's so I mean, good. It's really Did you good. make your own barbecue sauce or no? No. No. Stubs? I don't know. I don't. I buy all different kinds. Tim, come on. Okay. Anyways, move on. Yeah, yeah. So onion, salsa, cheese, cilantro, underrated. That was a little bit of that on top. Um, that's probably. I mean, I'm not a beans guy. I don't. I don't put beans on nachos. I don't put sour cream on nachos. 
oh, we, we, we can't be friends. Cause uh, <laughs> I go, yeah, nachos, cheddar cheese only. Then I do like a pulled pork. Then I do beans and I do sour cream and salsa and cilantro. And did I say black beans? Yeah. Yeah. But I load up on the sour cream. Like when it comes out of the oven, I'm legit putting on a whole carton of sour cream. And I have a bowl full of salsa sitting beside me. By the way, did I tell have I told you about my, my little garden plot in this communal garden in town? No. Yeah, there's like a communal garden where you can rent a plot for the summer. And one of the things I'm growing is cilantro. And it's coming up and it's beautiful. I'll bring you some. You Fresh cilantro. I would delicious. love it. We use cilantro. We, we make pesto with it. We make chimichurri sauce with it. We put it on everything. I would really appreciate that. It's, it's, it's huge. It's great. Huge. I love that you have a little garden plot. Do you see other, the other people tending garden? Oh, yeah. It's very peaceful. I go there like at night sometimes and, and just water and do some weeding. And I've already got like kale, cilantro, rosemary, some of the, the herbs and stuff. And I got like, it, I'm not, they're not ready yet, but I see uh, tomatoes, peppers, cucumbers starting to come out. So carrots are, are growing. It's good stuff. How very are you exciting. still single? Oh my word. You're going to make I some know. woman very happy one day, Tim. I hope so. I'm excited to meet her, whoever she is. One of my clients told me today I'm too much of a jerk. I gotta, really? Yeah, she was joking, but she's like, you got to be nicer if you want to meet the future Mrs. Wurzberger someday. She was flirting with you. Maybe. Really? We had that relationship. We should get her on the show. We'll see. Ask John Aiken. He'll tell you. Is she cute? She's married. Well, that hasn't stopped before. <laughs> on your big epic road trip. I knew you were going to bring that up. Let's close this out, John. <laughs> All right. Well, I'm excited for hockey to start. Please, uh, yeah, stay safe out there. Enjoy the rest of the Hawks series. Enjoy this episode. And we will talk to you. We might even shift to three episodes next week with all the stuff that's going on. There's so much. Just, we got some big guests lining up. It's going to be fun. I know. I'm going to get – well, yeah, I'm hoping to get Patrick Sharp to kind of be like our insider, maybe get Mark Edward Vlasic, kind of break down some games. So we'll have some cool, neat things happening. But most importantly, hockey's starting. This is exciting. So we'll talk to you guys next week. Stay safe. Enjoy the hockey. And uh, cheers, everybody. Hey, guys. Thanks for listening. Make sure you're following the show on Twitter at Dropping Underscore Gloves for episode highlights, behind-the-scenes content, sneak peeks, and giveaways. Check out johnscottallstar.com slash shop for merchandise including t-shirts hats hoodies and so much more and please please leave a review on apple Podcasts. it's so important to helping us grow so we can keep delivering the hockey content and interviews with the players you love thanks and see you next time